0: good morning everyone good morning. good morning and welcome to old providence associate reform presbyterian church See now now is the time where we gather together choir you don't know this but i walked up to the pulpit earlier and everybody just kind of got really really quiet out there i had a seminary professor that said that the pulpit is the most powerful piece of furniture on the planet, and I don't know about that, but it's effective in this case. Nevertheless, it is so good to see everybody uh, this morning. What what a day that the Lord has given to us. It started out cloudy and and dreary, and now the sun is shining brightly, and we are glad about that. Um, The Lord has given us these facilities for worship, and we're also grateful for that, too. If you are visiting, let me welcome you and thank you for worshiping with us, but let me also assure you... The things don't normally look like they do in our sanctuary right now uh, we are in the middle of our refreshing projects and things are going very well but we do appreciate everyone's patience as we move forward and speaking of moving forward members especially i've said it a couple of times if you're a member you need a bulletin because it contains the ballot for today's congregational meeting that will immediately follow our worship service and a paint ch- color is going to be chosen for the walls Everybody is welcome to stay, but members especially please do stay and vote and voting is reserved for members now also other things going on today um, we're praying that, that, that the weather holds for this afternoon for our truck or treat which is going to be from 4 to 6 p.m. outside right here in the church parking lot in this area. All are welcome, and if you'd like to use your trunk, just let my wife know, let Carol know, and we can get you plugged in. Um, Let me also point out to you and your bulletins, because lots of things are going on right now in the life of our church, including the fact... That very uh, in the very near future, our youth group it's doing its annual Thanksgiving dinner fundraiser. Okay, be aware of the bulletin. There's announcements that have started going in there. Um, we're starting to plan for that, and I would encourage you to do so because y'all know this time of the year, especially calendars fill up rather quickly. Thank you in advance also for your support and your donations. Now again, lots of other things. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes, that's an excellent point, point. 3.30, if you are using your trunk, because otherwise trunk or treaters are going to be going up and down, and uh, that, that wouldn't work very well. So, if you are using your trunk, be here today at 3.30, and you may even get to go in the bouncy house before all the kids get to, so that's an added bonus, right? All right, so that's today at 3.30. Now, again, lots of things going on, I'm going to let you find those. Realize this, it's the Lord that has brought us here today. I I welcome you, whether you're a visitor, whether you're a lifelong member. The Lord has brought you here to this place, and he's done so to pull you out of the uh, day-to-day, to pull you out of the rigors of this world so that you can focus on him and be blessed by him in this time of worship. So now let's prepare our hearts for worship. We have a treat this morning with special music from the men, and then after, Donna will lead us in the prelude. Thank you so much, men, and Stuart and Dean as well. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts with us. Now again, let's continue to prepare our hearts as Donna leads us in the prelude. Our call to worship this morning is found in the 34th Psalm and it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt His name together. My friends, the call here is very clear for us, is it not? That the Lord is the great one. The Lord is the mighty one seated on high. And it is our privilege to be able to come together to exalt his name, but also to boast in the Lord. All the boasting we would do on our own is, is vain, it's, it's empty, it's based on things that we can't control, it's based on things that are fleeting. But when we boast in the Lord, what we do is we proclaim His faithfulness, His, His truthfulness, all the ways that He attends to us, all the ways that He provides for us. When we boast in the Lord, we boast in that which is sure. We have many reasons to celebrate, many reasons to worship, but this indeed is amongst the highest. So now, please stand with me. I, I, actually, pause. I'm, I'm misreading the bulletin here. I've got a microphone on the way. Let me pray. Then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and confess the Apostles' Creed, and then we'll sing. But let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to be here together. We pray that you would guide us in this time, that, that by your Holy Spirit, you would work in our hearts, that you would work in our minds, that you would work in our souls as you have called us here. Please guide us. Those things from the world, those things that would bog us down, those those things of life that, that cause us just to put our heads down and push forward, let those fade away and let us bask in the glory of Christ Jesus as we lift up songs of praise, as we pray, as we go to Your Word. Father, without Your Holy Spirit, we will not be able to do these things. So please fill us And guide us now we pray these things in Christ's name and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen indeed. And now, Christian, as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. And now it's time to sing. Please stand with me. You can take your hymnals or look to the words on the screen as we sing hymn number 15, sing praise to God who reigns above. Hymn number 15. And you all may be seated, and children, join me down front. You know, one of the things that people do this time of year is, again, they get dressed up in costumes, they, they decorate their houses, and I know that, that people are not going to have their trunks decorated for their trunk or treat. But as you look around and see the decorations, I want you to look for the jack-o'-lanterns. What jack-o'-lanterns are they? They're the pumpkins that people carve, and what do people put down inside of them? Well, they sometimes you can,
1: but they put lights down inside of them. That's right. Pumpkins. Are the people the light down inside, so you can see the light shining out of there. And I love jack-o'-lanterns, but not just for how Jack o' lanterns remind me about something that Jesus said. Okay? And I want you all to think about this tonight and
0: later really this week when you see jack o and when you see the lights down inside of it, make them light up. What Jesus said about light and letting your light shine is so important. It's in Matthew chapter 5, and it starts in verse 14. Jesus said this to his disciples. All the people that know love and you and me. Verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world.
1: A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it
0: gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father you hear know what Jesus just said? Jesus said that if you believe in him and if you trust him, Jesus said that if you love him and it's in your heart, that
1: you're the light of the world, that, that you can shine with the light of Jesus. And you can do that through loving him. You can do that through loving each
0: other, through being kind to one another, through telling people about Jesus.
1: That's how you can be
0: the light of the world. But then Jesus asks a question. He says, nobody likes a lamp And then puts it under a bat. Just like nobody would light a a, a candle or a light and put it down in
1: a a, a pumpkin that hasn't been carved yet, right? That that would be silly. You put it in, you put the top on, and then you wouldn't even know there's a light in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the same way works for us. We know and love Jesus. But if we don't love other people, if we don't tell other people about him, if we don't really love him with our lives and what we do, then that's not letting our life.
0: That answers that question about the new step over there. Old habits (laughs) die hard, but that's okay. As they're being dismissed, let's take this time to go to the Lord in silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer, but let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, and in light of what we have just read from your word, the words of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in light of where we have been in the Psalms, in light of what we've lifted up to you through song, we are reminded, reminded of the story of Christ. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with you in the beginning. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not overcome it. Father, we know as we consider the nature of light. And what you have called us to be. That the world has not changed. That there is still a great striving darkness that seeks to overcome the light. Even that light that is reflected in us when we shine forth for you. And sadly, Father, instead of being the enemy of the world, when we turn our backs on you, when we do those things that that we would have, not those things that you have for us, when we pursue our own desires, we do indeed hide our light under a bushel. Oh, Father, forgive us work in our hearts and in our minds, that we would be ever vigilant, that we would have that sense of awareness that we would see when we fall to temptation, that we would turn from it back to you, seeking your forgiveness and your restoration. For it is that restoration, Father, that we need as we go about life in this world a world that lacks so little restoration and instead offers destruction upon destruction. As we think of the world around us, we see wars and rumors of war. We see wickedness on display. We see your son and our savior being mocked and your word being simply thrown away. But you have called us to something so much better Again, calling us the light of the world to reflect Jesus Christ. You give us opportunities day after day to testify to your greatness. Forgive us for the times that we have not. For all those that would seek your face. For all those that would turn loose those acts of rebellion. I pray that you would bless us and guide us. Draw us to yourself again and again. And as we face the challenges of this life that only add to the difficulty, we pray that you would attend to these. For those that are struggling with sickness, I pray that you would make them well. For those that are suffering from heartache, I pray that you would restore their souls. For those that are weary, whether it be from the tasks of this world or just the nature of life itself, would you bring that refreshing wind of your spirit to revive us again and again. We pray that not only for ourselves here at Old Providence, we pray it for your church universal, for ours is the privilege, ours is the task of reflecting your love. Thank you, Father, for working with us, for working on us, for working in us again and again. Again, as we consider the difficulties we face here, once again, we ask that you would bless those who are hurting, restore them and bring them back. For those also who are mourning, we think of Nat and his family right now, especially with the loss of his mother. We pray that you would give peace and a sense of your presence. And for all those others that are mourning too, we know that that grief doesn't have a, a time clock attached to it. But instead, especially holiday seasons can bring these things up. So please encourage us again and again. As we think about the world around us, that world that is groping in darkness, that darkness that tries to overcome the light. We hear much these days about prophecy, about the end times. We don't know how to read these things, Father, not not really, but we can pray. And I pray that you would work in our hearts that we would pray for Jesus' return. And that we would hasten it by sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. I pray this and all things in his name. Amen. And now as we continue this time of worship, take your green Bible song books as we sing Bible song number 17, which is actually the ninth psalm. But it's Bible song number 17, I will joy and consider the joy you have in Christ. Stand with me as we sing. go to our Lord in prayer. Father, as we have just lifted up, you have never forsaken those who have have sought thy face. And that's so clear in all the ways that you provide for us. Now, as we come to this portion where we return to you out of that abundance that you've given to us, I pray that you would bless the gift. I pray that you would bless the giver. And I pray that you would use these in accordance with your will and for your kingdom. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. may be seated. Thank you so much, choir. What a wonderful reminder of all the things that the Lord gives. You know, we all find ourselves at different stations in life, different different challenges that we are all facing. But in the midst of those challenges, it can be easy to forget the Lord's grace. It can be easy to forget all the ways that he provides for us. But let me encourage you to consider again and again how the Lord has given to you. So again, thank you very much, choir. Well, I'm excited to be all with you all again this week after we had Reverend Sims as our guest speaker last week. And as we continue to make our way through the book of Philippians today. Now, where we find ourselves is in chapter 2. And we're at a transition point in the book of Philippians. Uh, thus far, we have seen introductions. We've seen the main purpose for writing the Philippians, namely that the Apostle Paul is seeking to spur them on in love for one another and in discernment. That's why Paul wrote in chapter 1, verse 9, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. And to this end, we've also seen all sorts of instructions in Philippians thus far, including the calling given in verse 27, where the apostle wrote, and and, and forget about Paul, right? This is God breathing out his word through Paul. It is God's will that, verse 27, just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or or am absent... I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit and in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. This is Paul talking to the Philippians, but what God desired for the Philippians is this, what God commanded them to do and to be was to unite and to contend for the faith of the gospel. Now that was for the Philippians, but by extension, It's for you and me today, just as much. Admittedly, this is a high order indeed, isn't it? And it's a command that we receive as as, as God's people, but this is a challenge. How do we unite? How do we contend? Well, thankfully, we're not left wondering about how to do this because we received the answer in God's word in Philippians. The last time we were together, we saw how we can unite. We saw how we are to contend for the faith, how we can live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And how is it? How can we do these things? How can you? You can do this when you adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. We saw that last time in Philippians 2.5. And the last time we were together. We saw that the attitude. Or, or we saw what that attitude of Christ Jesus looked like. That instead of, of considering equality with God. Something to be attained. Something to be exercised. Verse 7a. Instead he emptied himself. How? By assuming the form of a servant. My friends, the only way that you and I can be and and do the things God has called us to do, the only way that we can unite together, the only way that we can contend for the faith is for us to be servants too. To consider one another more important than ourselves as we saw last time. Now, I I need to be careful though because I'm going to re-preach that sermon and and I don't want to do that. We've got to move on, but... Do you see the call? Do you remember the pleading? Philippians 2.1 If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. My friends, that's how we do what the Lord has called us to do. And it's with that in mind that we continue today. We need to keep going because while the last time we were together, we we received the call to live as servants and put one another first today, where we find ourselves in Philippians in chapter 2 again, we're going to receive further instruction on how to do this. On how to live as Christ lived. We'll receive further instruction on how to love and encourage one another. On how to contend for the faith and be united. And we're going to see this not only in what we're told to do, but also in what we're told not to do. So that's your preview of coming attractions, but that's enough intrigue too. Let's pray and then we'll begin reading in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. But let's go to the Lord now. Our God and our Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would guide us in this time. Give us wisdom. Let us see. Turn the lights on, Father, so that we would know what your word is saying, yes. But even more importantly than just gathering information, let us be informed about how we should live. About what we should do, about how we should conduct ourselves. And not just for the sake of doing it, but because it's pleasing to you, our loving Father. Because in doing so, we shine the light of Christ. We will not see these things unless you guide us by your Spirit, so please fill us now. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. And we'll stop reading right there. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. Well, as I alluded to before reading, two things here, right? Two things, two instructions. One is a command about something that we're supposed to do. The other is a command about something we're not supposed to do. And we should recognize that these are of great importance, y'all. Why? Because of the transition we come to, because of how our reading starts. It's a therefore, right? Kyle talked about this last week. Whenever you find a therefore, it's indicating something majorly significant, but also this. What do we do? When you find a therefore, Right? you stop. And you ask what the therefore is there for. And in this case, the therefore is there for us to consider everything that's been said up to this point. The things that I talked about just a few minutes ago. The the call to unite, to contend for the faith, to have the same attitude as that of Christ. To be a servant in light of all of these things. The Philippians were told... And by extension, you and I are told today, today, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So are we good on that? Everybody understand that? Shall I pronounce the benediction and then start the congregational meeting? Don't you dare nod up and down. No, we're not good on this. This is one of the most contested passages in all of God's word. What does it mean that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Now realize this. You've got a couple of things going on here. First, you've got Paul writing to the Philippians, right? So this is specific for the Philippians, that business about his presence. He's talking about the the fact that he is writing them, that he is sending this letter to them. So that's unique to them. But y'all, when you look past that, you see principles that apply to us today. Right, First, it was for the Philippians, specifically to them. But the principles that are revealed here are for you and me. What, what does it mean, then, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? When you hear that phrase, you might be clued into the great controversy. The controversy is this. It, it has to do with what you hear me say from this pulpit all the time. What you hear me say on daily devotionals. If you tune into those, you can read it throughout God's Word. Take Ephesians 2 right for you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves it is God's gift not from works so that no one can boast how how does that square with work out your own salvation with fear and trembling which one is it are we saved by grace through faith not by works or do we work out our salvation with fear and trembling The answer is yes but with this qualified the verse that you see before you Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9a and countless others point to how we are saved that indeed we are saved by grace through faith it's the gift of God it's not by works and y'all hear me say it all the time I think it was Spurgeon or maybe Edwards I don't know Dean and I were talking about Jonathan Edwards earlier right that the only thing that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary in the first place there is no cosmic scale where maybe you do more good things than bad things and you work your way into God's favor and maybe you get into heaven someday it's not how it works As we have just read, you are saved by grace through faith. What we've read from from Philippians chapter 2 today is not about how you get saved. Instead, verse 12 is all about what happens after salvation. That you're saved by grace through faith, but you still work out your salvation. It's not about getting saved, it's about being saved. In essence, it's about saying, I'm saved, now what do I do? Well, you work out your salvation through fear and trembling, that's what. And you might say, okay, well, what does that mean? And the answer to that question, my dear friends, is found in the same verse. Look at verse 12 again. It says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling the emphasis on this verse what does it mean to be saved the emphasis on this verse is on that one word obeyed or obey the line about working out salvation with fear and trembling is only pointing to the overall command to obey god and his word so again if you're asking that question i'm saved now what you're to obey god but why well very quickly we're going to come back to this because he's the almighty god and and no one to set yourself against but also is it because you've just got to no we're not to obey god just because we've got to not because you must but because you may y'all know I, i i talk about this quite often realize why god has commanded what he has in his word You know, God's moral law, and it's encompassed by the Ten Commandments. It's not limited to the Ten Commandments. But they are a fine expression of what God's law is. God didn't just choose things willy-nilly to allow and to disallow. God wasn't in heaven and said, oh, it looks like they enjoy lying to each other. They're having too good of a time with that. I better say that that's bad. No. God tells you not to lie because he's the truth. And he hates lies. God God tells you not to murder because people are created in his image and have value. God tells you not to have any other gods before him because he's the one true and living God and all other gods are worthless. And the reason God tells you to do or not do in his word, it's not because he wants to ruin a good time. No. God knows what's good for you. As loving parents do for their children so God does for you when God said take for instance I'm the Lord your God you must be holy because I'm holy." he wasn't just talking about you towing the line he he wasn't just talking about lists he wasn't just talking about you being sinless when God said be holy because I'm holy what he's really talking about there is being whole w-h-o-l-e being complete living a full life not encumbered by the consequences of breaking God's law and sin. But instead by living in obedience. And if you'll think about it, it makes sense. If you're a businessman or a business person or so, or so on. Isn't life so much simpler when you don't have to worry about the people that you ripped off? Right? Or in a lawsuit? For anyone. Isn't it so much better to tell the truth and not have to worry about your lies finding you out how much better would life be if we learn to be content and not covet how much of the financial problems that exist in this world are based off of the sin of coveting and speaking of coveting i don't know who said it first but i'm going to say it again right now show me what you covet and i'll show you your idol And y'all, idols are so complicated. They take and they take and they take and they never give anything. And if you doubt that this is why God has said what he says in his word, just consider the next verse. After giving this command to obey and work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it says, for it's God who's working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose God tells us what he tells us because it's good for us but also that's the means by which God works in your life and this is expressed in other places too take Romans eight twenty eight. we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose my, my friends this is what the therefore is therefore in verse 12. This is a call for the Philippians, and by extension, you and me today. And it's a calling to obey and to do so with fear and trembling. Now, I said we'd come back to this, but what does this mean? It simply means that we are to have a healthy respect for who God is. We lost this along the way. And it's ironic that, that again, Dean and I were talking about sinners in the hands of an angry God. Our nation was founded off of the principle, not that God is lurking around every corner to smite someone. But He is still the same, the Almighty God. He is the Creator. We are the created. And to offend the Almighty God... To challenge the creator of the universe and say, I'm not going to do things your way. I'm going to do things my way instead. How foolish this is. How silly. God tells us what he tells us to do because he loves us and he knows what's good for us. But when we violate what he has said, we can evoke his wrath and his judgment we can live in such a way look you can bring god's discipline and judgment upon yourself why i love the king james despise not thou the chastening of the lord for whom the lord loveth he chasteneth. he loves you enough not to just let you go but instead he draws you back and often it is pain that he uses to draw you back And not because he's lurking to swat you. But because when you disobey his word, there are consequences to it. And they hurt. But he does this because he loves you. And so to that end, we find the rest of our passage. Thus far, we found the command about what to do. Obey with fear and trembling. That's the first thing. The second thing, as I alluded to, is something that we're not to do. Now, you think about this. In light of the fact that we're to have this healthy fear of the Lord, who is the Holy One, the one whose judgment we can bring on ourselves if we don't obey, of all the ways God could illustrate rebellion against Him, of all the ways that God could point out disobedience and, and find a sin that illustrates this, of all the warnings He could give the Philippians, and by extension, you and me, what did He choose? Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Again, of all the sins God could have chosen to bring up, of all the temptations the Philippians face and that you and I face, of all the acts of disobedience that could incur the wrath of God and His judgment, God, through Paul, warns us to do everything without grumbling and arguing. Why? Well, I'm going to give you a practical example. Then I'm going to give you this example from God's Word. Both are from God's Word. Do you remember ancient Israel? What was the resounding refrain from Israel? What did they do time and time and time again? Even after the Red Sea opened up and they walked on dry land. After food fell from the sky, they longed for the leap. And the onions and the garlic of Egypt. And they asked again and again, has God brought us to this desert so that we would die? You know, it's fascinating. You see Moses and God working with one another. And it's not that God is a a human and it's not that he thinks a human's thoughts. But it's fascinating that you see from time to time that Moses is ready to smite Israel. Because he's done. He is done. He ends, up, uh, he ends up striking the rock and misrepresenting God. He doesn't even get to go into the promised land because he's dealing with the Israelites who are doing what? They are grumbling. They are arguing. Then there are other times when you see that God brings a plague on the Israelites. And there is one instance where God says to Moses, I'm going to destroy them and I'm going to start a new line. And it's going to be through you, Moses. And yet the Lord relented because Moses interceded on behalf of the people. That's a very practical reason why of all the sins God could use, he chose this one. But in our passage itself, he goes on to talk about why. Listen to what he says next. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Verse 15, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. And then he goes on to talk about boasting. But but what we just read ought to outline something, ought to tell us something about grumbling, arguing, complaining. You know, if God tells us here to avoid grumbling, arguing, and complaining so that we may be blameless and pure, it must mean that grumbling and arguing makes us impure. Right? Right? If God tells us to not grumble or argue and complain so that we may be children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. You know, we use those terms for different meanings. But when you plug in the fact that there's this command to not grumble, argue, or complain here, it ought to show us something that in order to be the children of God who are faultless in this generation, it must mean that grumbling, arguing, and complaining lead to crookedness and perversion and they do we'll talk more about that in a minute but lastly if God tells us not to grumble argue or complain so that we may shine like stars in the world it must mean that these things lead to darkness and the fact is is that grumbling arguing and complaining lead to all sorts of evil why Well, my friends, at the very core of grumbling and arguing and complaining is a person that would rather have things his or her own way. It's a person that would say, I want it my way and I want it now. Grumbling, arguing, and complaining destroy joy. You ever known somebody that truly can't be happy unless they've got something to be angry about and it's comical at first when you say oh well, that's not real y'all there are people in this world that really can't be happy unless they've got something to be angry about unless they've got something to chew on like a bone to argue and complain over it destroys unity it destroys joy it destroys testimony We're the ones that are supposed to be the lights in the world. It doesn't mean that we won't disagree, but y'all, the calling here for us is to pay attention. When we argue, when we complain, it only reflects our wants, not God's desires or plans. And what a shame that is. What, What a loss, what a missed opportunity in this world full of darkness that's looking for light. Our passage ends in the rest of verse 16 and following. It says, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also rejoice and be glad with me. You know, again, this is one of those passages where it pertains to Philippians, right? Those people with Paul personally in his relationship. But the overall spirit of it applies to us. What Paul is saying here is if you obey with fear and trembling, if you avoid grumbling, arguing and complaining, it points to the validity of who you are in Christ. And in that light he says, and so if I'm poured out like a drink offering, if I die for this, it's worth it. And I will be glad and I will rejoice And in the same way you should be glad and rejoice. You know, again, this applies to Paul and the Philippians, but the overall principle is this. God desires that your faith would be evident in your obedience too. And not only that, God desires that we would be glad and rejoice. But my friends, and I call you friend because I am your friend, I'm telling you the truth. If you would be glad... If you would rejoice glad rejoicing begins with obedience if you know Jesus that means trusting him obeying him if you don't know Jesus that means turning to him for salvation asking him to be Lord of your life today do not wait do it right now uh, come and see me and we will talk afterward for in him alone there is glad rejoicing glad rejoicing begins with obedience but it continues by guarding against the temptation to complain, to grumble, to argue. This is the calling of God for you. This is the direction God gives us in faithfulness toward him. Let us consider these things well. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, now as we consider all that we have read in your word, what a blessing it is to know that you are working in and among us, Oh, Father, guard us. Guard us from ourselves, and it's with a heavy heart because I know that I complain. I grumble, I've been argumentative, and I can't go back. I wish I could. But it is my desire to go forward trusting in you, putting those things aside, resting in your provision. For any others that desire that, please grant it now. For those that do not know you, that have not put their faith in Christ, please call them now. For glad rejoicing is the reward for those who would trust and obey in you. Let us do this. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And now let us close this time by taking our hymnals and standing and singing hymn number 85, Immortal, Invisible, God, Only Wise. Hymn number 85. Please stand with me. Again, members, please stay. All are welcome to stay, but members especially, please do stay for our congregational meeting. Receive the benediction. May the grace and the peace and the mercy and the love and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen.